You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. School of Humans. It's five in the morning, November 25th, 2019. And Ivan Guzman, a 32-year-old fisherman from Mexico's Baja Peninsula, looks out onto Tortugas Bay. The Pacific rolls gently at his feet. The first glimmers of sunrise reveal a patchwork of boats on the horizon. The waters here are popular among sports fishers. Giant schools of black sea bass and fattened yellowtail lure anglers from hundreds of miles away. That's what brought Guthman here. And now, he and five other fishermen prepare their boat and begin motoring out onto the water. Destination Isla de Cedros. A two-hour trip from the docks, the island is a rocky spit of land home to just a few thousand people. A few years back, Mitsubishi built a company town here to store salt. But most locals depend on the fishing industry. And then there's the few who rely on the island's, well, let's just call it the underground economy. The Sinaloa Cartel, arguably the most powerful and dangerous drug trafficking syndicate in the West, calls Cedros their turf. But the cartel does not own a monopoly on these waters. Some drug traffickers know Cedros as a frontier, a place where small-time drug runners and splinter groups can get their start. Ivan Guzman and his fishing buddies, they know this. But they're fishermen, and they stay in their lane. Or at least, that's what they tell people. Because on that November day, they don't cast their lines into the water. Instead, they steer their boat toward the northern point of Cedros. They cast anchor, slosh onto shore, and begin unloading dozens of black plastic tubs. Within minutes, they're tossing hundreds of small succulents into the boxes. And little do they know, they are being watched. 
By evening, search and rescue teams are looking for the fisherman. One is found dead with a bullet hole in the back of his head. Another alive with a gunshot wound to his arm. And Ivan Guzman? Well, they find him weeks later. His decaying body, bloated, bobbing on the surface of the bay. His legs tightly wound with rope. In this episode, plant poaching collides with organized crime. How cartels, mobs, and criminal syndicates might be connected to some of your favorite plants. I'm Summer Rain Oaks. From School of Humans and iHeart Podcasts, this is Bad Seeds. On Isla de Cedros, there's a threatened succulent called Siempre Viva, or Dudlea pachyphytum. It looks like a starry clump of sea anemones, with delicate hints of green and chalky white leaves. It's endemic to the island, meaning it only grows there. And in recent years in East Asia, a single wild Dudlea has been selling for $200 a pop. And that's been attracting people who are hungry to make money including Mexico's drug cartels. Criminal activity and criminal networks are often driven by generating profit, making money. You may remember Jenny Feltham from the Wildlife Justice Commission. If people are willing to pay high prices for these things, criminal networks will want to supply that. They will find a way to provide that service, regardless of whether it's legal or not. In fact, this Dudlea has been luring criminals for a while now. In 2017, the news outlet Mas Noticias reported that the Mexican military had stopped a tractor trailer driven by three Korean nationals and a Mexican. When they pried open the back doors, they found nearly 5,000 Dudlea pachyphytum, $1 million worth of poached succulents. But that was small fry. More recently, the plant's been targeted by major players in the world of organized crime. Yet we had been seeing in our own investigations with wildlife crime was the increasing intersection of wildlife crime with other types of crime as well. If there are easy ways to make money and ways to subvert the regulatory system around it, that's when other criminal groups may be interested to exploit those networks. In other words, organized crime syndicates have been diversifying their portfolios beyond drugs. Some cartels mine iron, others steal gasoline and grow avocados. The Sinaloa cartel has an alarmingly large stake in Mexico's legal seafood industry. And now they're moving into succulents. In the case of the missing fishermen, rescuers would find two of them alive not far from where the succulents grow. One was uninjured, but the other was stained in blood, clutching a bullet wound. Not far from them, officials found dozens of tubs filled with Dudlea pachyphytum. And near those bins was the lifeless body of one of their friends, face down on the rocks. The survivors told authorities everything, that they had been hired by El Creque, a subchapter of the drug cartel. 
This group, according to the Mexican newspaper Ensenada, is involved in, quote, drug trafficking, drug dealing, homicides, and illegal marketing of the endemic plant Siempre Viva. The cartel, it's believed, uses its vast smuggling network to send these plants abroad, with Poach Dudlia traveling to Tijuana, then La Paz, then to Mexico City, and then onward to China or Korea, and onto the windowsills of unsuspecting succulent collectors. In return, the cartels are reportedly paid in supplies that can be used to synthesize drugs. It's basically a barter system. All of this, if I'm being honest, sounds weird. Organized criminals and botany sound like such unlikely bedfellows. But the truth is, plants launched organized crime as we know it. And I'm not talking about marijuana or cocaine or all the other plants fueling the international drug trade. I'm talking lemons. We're in Sicily, the 19th century, and citrus fruits are in high demand. Scientists recently discovered that vitamin C in lemons and oranges can prevent scurvy. And now the shipping industry is knocking down doors to get its hands on some cold, hard fruit. In these early days, uh, it turned out that Sicily was one of the few places where uh, oranges and lemon were grown. That's Dr. Ola Olsen, by the way. He's a Swedish economist and an expert on the weird link between lemons and the mob. Sicily could relatively quickly then answer to this greater demand, and this led to kind of um, a boost in demand that happened in a very weakly institutionalized community. In the mid-1800s, the state was too weak to police the people. So rogues, marauders, brigands, and highway bandits plagued the countryside. Living in Sicily was every man for himself. The general environment at this time was, was very unstable, weak institutions, a lot of mistrust in government. For lemon farmers, the picking season was a time to watch your back. A smart poacher could steal a year's harvest in just a night or two. Unable to rely on the state for protection, farmers grabbed shotguns and built walls. But this wasn't enough. The bandits kept coming and growers began looking for alternatives. The people who uh, cultivated citrus then needed to employ different types of security personnel. And often this personnel came from groups that had established themselves locally as some kind of strongmen that, that could bring some order to a kind of local chaotic situation when the sort of state could not really do that efficiently. Hiring local roughnecks worked, at least for a while. Sicilian lemon production actually skyrocketed 3,000% over a decade. Profits soared until the men hired to do the security, well, they began demanding a bigger piece of the cut. So in this institutional vacuum, this is together with this huge demand for citrus fruits. That's where we believe that the mafia arose. The guards watching the lemon groves began organizing and extorting farmers, stealing from their trees, and selling the lemons in private. They actually infiltrated in this way, both acting as middlemen, but also acting more directly in the harbors, in the ports, monitoring and also squeezing rents out of the trade. 
in different stages, so to speak, both directly and indirectly. The consequences for not cooperating could be dire. In 1872, one lemon grove owner, a Dr. Galati, fired his warden for stealing fruit. He hired a new guard, but then the warden's friends shot the new security detail dead. Menacing letters poured into Galati's home, demanding that he rehire his old help. Intimidation, it turns out, worked. The middlemen of the lemon trade grouped together, swore oaths, and soon controlled much of the fruit supply chain. Some mafiosos were so well organized that they were able to wrest property from the farmers themselves. Eventually, the group expanded beyond fruit. They got involved with local sulfur mines. And when Florida overtook Sicily as a new citrus hub, these groups sought, well, how do I put it, new business opportunities. Like smuggling of people or smuggling of arms, I would say it's pretty standard that these groups try eventually to diversify. There's potentially one first origin in a sense, but then they quickly move on to other goods. The point is, organized crime and the plant and wildlife trade, they are more intertwined than you can imagine. Militant groups in East Africa fund terrorists through ivory poaching. The Taliban made hundreds of millions controlling Afghanistan's poppy harvest. A few decades ago, insurgent Maoists in Nepal beefed up their wartime bank accounts by selling a pricey fungus called cordyceps that, and I'm not making this up, grows on caterpillars. And detective agencies know this. Since 2017, sting operations staged by Interpol's wildlife crime working groups have arrested more than 3,000 people. And when the dollars are counted, wildlife smuggling only lags behind human, firearms, and drug trafficking. The United Nations projects that wildlife crime will continue to increase 5 to 7% each year. And yet, despite this long history, and despite the obvious growth, efforts to stop it have been pretty wimpy at best. Environmental crime isn't prioritised by law enforcement compared to other types of crime. You know, it's under-resourced compared to other crime types. If the penalty is not even one-tenth of the profit, which is often the case, it's just a, a cost of doing business. At the end of the day, it will have no impact in stopping or deterring that crime. Turns out crime does pay. And if succulents and lemons are enough to lure cartels and the mob... Just imagine what it must be like when an individual plant can fetch $50,000. A look inside the syndicate stealing the most expensive plants on the planet when we return. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look, and HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. I want you to close your eyes and imagine. Imagine the world 65 million years ago to the age of dinosaurs. You're surrounded by jungle. It's muggy. The sweat is beating on your brow. Above, winged reptiles soar. Below, giant beetles and primitive possums scurry through the undergrowth. Nearby, munching on some plants is one of my favorites, the long-necked Alamosaurus. But I want you to imagine the plant life, too. It's so green. There are ferns and conifers and ginkgos galore. Some of the world's first flowering plants, beautiful pink blossoms, are taking root. And then you notice this strange, stubby tree. That is a cycad. Superficially, it looks like a palm. That's Anders Lindstrom. He's a botanist at the Nangnuch Tropical Garden in Thailand home to the largest collection of cycads in the world, which I had the pleasure of visiting a few years back. The main difference between a cycad and a palm is um, the whole reproductive structure. Palms have actually flowers, but the fertile structure of cycad are looking like pine cones. These palmy greens are some of the oldest plants in the world. They're ancient plant groups that span back to the dinosaur time. And they have survived and actually flourished after the dinosaur. Anders calls cycads living fossils. And that means they can command a high price. A single cycad can fetch upwards of $100,000. If you tallied the profits from all the cycads poached over the last two decades, you'd have more than $600 million dollars. A lot of those thefts have happened in South Africa. That country is home to a tenth of all cycad species. In the two decades leading up to 2014, endangered cycads there declined 90%. In the words of the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, 
The illicit CICAD trade in South Africa has grown so organized, lucrative, and harmful that the authorities have identified it as a priority wildlife crime, alongside rhino, elephant, and abalone poaching. In fact, it's gotten so bad that some estimates suggest that cycads are now the most endangered living organism in the world. In some parts of South Africa, the rarest wild cycads are now microchipped, just in case they're ever stolen. But thefts continue. One allure is, of course, their rarity, but also their longevity. Because they grow so slow, you can keep them probably your lifetime in your living room, and they will never outgrow your living room. So it's like a piece of vintage art or something. The plant you own is 100 or 200 years old and therefore very expensive. So unfortunately, a lot of people see it as an investment. They pay a lot of money for these plants and they keep it their whole life. In the end of their life, they can still sell the plant further. This desirability prompted the New York Times back in 2005 to proclaim that cycads were, quote, the botanical equivalent of a garage full of Rolls Royces. A cult, the Times said, has grown up around these plants that include a cadre of bad guys who smuggle for profit. These crooks are not drug cartels doing plant crime on the side. These are full-time cycad syndicates, and they're doing the dirty work of smuggling these plants overseas with devastating consequences. An area, it has a couple of hundred plants maybe of some species, and they have been there for ages, of course. But then the people coming and poach them, and the regeneration is very low. Usually out of three, four hundred seeds, there's just a few percent that actually survive into majority. So when you go into many of these populations, if you take out the big plants that set the seed, and there is no seedlings to start with, then the whole population has collapsed. When you take out the, the, the mature plants, you basically cut the throat of the whole population. These plants have been part of the Earth's ecosystem since the dinosaurs. They've survived mass extinctions and global catastrophes. But they may not survive human greed. Which is why, in 2001, agents with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service courted one of the cycad syndicates responsible. The mission was dubbed Operation Botany. Special agents opened a fake business called Hugh Enterprises and, using aliases, began seeking out rare and illegal cycads. Their bids caught the attention of smugglers Rolf Bauer and Jan von Fieren in South Africa. The men were surprisingly open about how they smuggled endangered cycads into the U.S. They poached the plants from the wild and, before transporting them overseas, stripped the cycads of their leaves. Naked, the endangered cycads were unrecognizable, allowing the smugglers to mislabel them, fooling customs. And it worked. In a July 2001 shipment, the smugglers flew 114 rare Encephalardus munchii under a different name. In the end, more than $840,000 worth of illegal cycads came through San Francisco International Airport. And then came the sting. The agents invited the smugglers to Las Vegas as a thank you. After a few nights of partying, the men got into the car that they were told would drive them to the airport for a private flight. 
Instead, they got a visit from the feds. FBI, don't move! But cases like this are the exception. Most Cycad syndicates work from afar. Much like the Mexican cartel enlisting poor fishermen, Cycad crooks are now hiring locals to do the poaching. But in Southern Africa, the ruse is exposing old fault lines of race and class. Most of the ringleaders are rich and white. But most of the people on the ground, those at the greatest risk of getting busted, are poor and black. One organized cycad ring in Zimbabwe, for instance, was caught stealing 81 cycads. More than half of the poachers were unemployed locals. And the rates they earned were abysmal. Just $6 for a $3,000 plant. Less than half a percent of the total cut. We did dozens of interviews for this podcast, and that's been a theme. That, as bad as poaching is, many of the people doing it aren't the ringleaders. Many are doing it out of desperation. But Anders has a story of how he might be able to break that cycle. There was a cycad uh, from China, Cycas debolensis, and they, they said the population was like a thousand plants. And when it was described, everyone went in to dig it with the help of the locals because they needed money and everything. And we went in there and we did an inventory of the whatever plants were left in the wild. And at the time, we had less than 100 plants left. So what was the problem? Why, why did the local dig the plants? Oh, they needed money, All right? Yeah, everyone needs money. But for what? This was a village up in a mountain far away from everything. You can't just go to a supermarket and buy a new car or something. So what do you need the money for? Oh, the kids needed school. And the closest school was quite far away. To get them to school was a major financial burden for, for the village people. So we suggested that why don't we get the school built nearby, actually right in the village. And we also raised money from the Cycad Society in the U.S., and they provided the, the books, pencils, and so on for the kids. And after a lot of wrangling and hobnobbing, the school was built. Parents weren't so desperate for money, and the kids got to stay home. And the plants, well, they started to thrive again. Now I believe it's over a thousand plants back in the wild again. Everyone is happy. If we didn't step in at that time, they probably won't, wouldn't survive in the long term. You can come in and say, oh, don't, don't dig this plant, don't do that. You know, you can fence it all in and build a cage and whatever, but you haven't solved the problem. Unfortunately, not a very common approach in, in nature conservation. But Anders thinks that over time, that could change. More conservationists are realizing that Band-Aids don't work. That if we want to stop the cycle, we need to address the root causes of poaching. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look, and HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. When Yvonne Guzman and his fellow fishermen set out on that November day, they didn't give much thought to the macroeconomics, the market implications, or the international supply chain. They were just trying to earn a buck. And as news reports later showed, it appears the money led fishermen to a fatal mistake. Reports suggest that the men may have agreed to pick succulents for not one, but multiple competing cartels. If true, it appears that the word got out the fishermen had failed to show loyalty. And so that day, a boat of goons ambushed them. In the end, two men, including Guzman, were murdered. Now admittedly, succulents are still a pretty small part of the cartel's portfolio. But stories like these are sadly becoming more and more common especially when you consider other plants, especially trees. With our research, we found that there's quite a strong link with timber crime and drug trafficking. That link is really strong, particularly in Central and South America. In fact, the experts already have a name for it. Narco-deforestation is sort of a, a term that's being used more widely now. Forests being cut for airstrips for landing planes to move product from where it's grown and produced into consumer markets. There's forest clearing that happens for cattle ranching, for laundering drug money. You've got forest areas being cleared, sometimes even in protected areas, to grow coca. And some groups are just cutting and stealing trees for the old-fashioned reason to make money. Take Colombia. When FARC signed a peace agreement a few years ago, smaller crime syndicates, groups like Los Pontilleros and the National Liberation Army, swarmed in and started clearing land. Just recently, a criminal network was arrested for illegally chopping down 865 acres of forest. In Central and South America, narco-deforestation has turned into a cottage industry. The timber not only earns cartels a tidy income, 
but also helps hide the dirty dealings lurking in the shadows. So the timber industry could be used as a cover, for example, a concealment method. And with with wildlife trafficking, we often see that as well, that timber companies can be used as, as front companies. The reasons for it are by now obvious. Low risk, high reward. But as species disappear, organized criminals are expected to make more than $119 billion this year in the illegal trade of plants and animals. But the ripple effects are worse. The estimated impact of these environmental crimes is expected to cost more than half a trillion dollars. Slaps on the wrist aren't going to stop that kind of money, especially large cartels, which are perfectly situated for this kind of business. They must have a chain of people who are buying, sourcing products, consolidating them to make those big shipments. People who are organised in terms of liaising, getting the logistics together to move that shipment, getting it through a port or an airport to move it internationally. The bigger the group, the harder it is to find who exactly is responsible. In fact, even when we know these crimes are happening, it can be hard to stop them. Take this case from 2015. So there's this container ship. Fully loaded with timber. And it's set to sail from Peru to the United States. To Houston. That was its um, final destination. Well, on that day it's supposed to depart, everything stops. A public prosecutor came on board and tried to seize a portion of the timber. Apparently, word got out that some of the timber... 15% of the total is illegal. The inspectors have a chat with the ship captain, and eventually they come to an agreement. Leave port, deliver the timber, just return with that 15% portion that was found to be illegal at the end of the voyage. So the ship leaves port, and the investigators, they start looking deeper into the case. They were looking at all the documentation from the timber where it was extracted from to verify whether it was legal or not. What they find shocks them. Letting the boat go was a huge mistake. The entire shipment was actually illegal. Around 96% they found was illegal. But now it's too late. The ship had sailed and eventually it was delivered to the United States. It's worth noting that this has led to dozens of court cases, many happening right now. And it seems likely that whoever was behind this illegal harvest, they probably had some kind of connection to the people on the inside. If a company is paying to get a license in a way that is outside of the official process, it's very likely that that money It has to flow up the chain to the individual signing off on that license or permit, which is the person, you know, sometimes right at the top. You know the old phrase, follow the money? Well, when you follow the trail left by organized criminals, sometimes it leads you to the halls of power. There have been other allegations in other countries involving very senior officials, very high-level individuals. To political leaders and some of the companies you love. Coming up... They're going into terrible trouble. And they deserve to get into trouble. 
the corruption was so high level that the paperwork could be really seem pristine enough. They came in, everybody, we, we heard, we're being raided. We're being raided, everyone to the back. I'm Summer Rain Oaks. Join us again next time for Bad Seeds. Bad Seeds is a production of School of Humans and iHeart Podcasts. I'm your host, Summer Rain Oaks. Lucas Riley is our writer. Gabby Watts is our producer. And Amelia Brock is our senior producer. Fact-checking is by Savannah Hugley and Zoe Farrow. Original music is by Claire Campbell. Sound design and score is by Jesse Neiswanger. Our show art is by Pam Peacock. Development was by Brian Lavin and Jacob Selzer. Special thanks for a voice actor, Miranda Hawkins. Executive producers are Brian Lavin, Elsie Crowley, Brandon Barr, Virginia Prescott, and Jacob Selzer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.